Amen. I'd like to welcome you to our Sunday afternoon message, and especially those that are joining us by the way of the internet. We thank God for your presence, and I trust this message will be a help to you, a challenge to you today. And and uh, I may start a series here out of this message. I'm not sure. I just have to let the Lord lead me on this. But uh, a good word for today. And boy, how we need to hear some good words these days that we're living in and these last days, these perilous times. And, and uh, we need some good words. And the Bible's filled with good words and that, that we, can, we need to hear and we need to put into practice in our life. And, and may the Lord help us. And this one right here is not an easy word. It's the word endure. Endure. And uh, some may be saying, man, it's 1.30 in the afternoon here. I'm enduring. I'm telling you, it's nap time. And, but I do thank you for joining in and tuning in with us. And, and uh, Philippians chapter 2, if you'd like to find your place there. Philippians chapter 2. And uh, You know, there was a time back, back a few years ago where people used to go around and say, what's the word? You know, what, what, what's the word here? And basically they're just saying, hey, what's the news? You know, what's, what's the good news? What's happening? What's going on? You know, and people would even say, what's the good word? You know, they, they didn't want to hear nothing negative. They just want to hear something positive, something good. Say, hey, what, what's the good word? And I think I've heard that even recently. Somebody used that. Hey, what's the word? You know, and, and uh, people still use that today. And in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, it says, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. But a good word maketh it glad. And well, we, we need a good word because a good word will make you glad. Amen. We need that. You know, sometimes all it takes from us to be feeling down and sad and all it takes is just a simple word to encourage us, to give us the smile, or, or even a, just a gesture, a wave, or a, a salute. Uh, but, but, but can I say that the opposite is, is true as well? Sometimes all it takes from, from going from being glad to mad is a simple word, <laughs> uh, or a certain look, or a certain gesture, if you would. <laughs> There's been many disagreement or many fight that broke out after you heard somebody say, what'd that person say? What'd they say about me? What, what, you know, that those words that they heard or, or, you see that person look at me or, or, or even a certain type of gesture has caused a fight? Well, you know, in James 3.10, it says, Out of the same mouth proceeding blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. But it can happen. A message from God's Word can convict one person and they convict somebody of sin and even lead them to repentance where they'll accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior while another person will hear the same message, the same words, and they'll get mad at what they hear and walk away from Jesus. In Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God will slice and dice and open you up so that what's on the inside can be revealed. Have you ever heard the Bible being referred to as the good word? I'm sure you heard it, the good book. But, but the good word, well, that's scriptural. In Hebrews 6, 5 it says, And have tasted the good word of God. Oh my, and the powers of the world to come. The good word of God. 
Israel was about to be taken into captivity and for 70 years because of their sin and their rejection of God. And, and even then, God gave them a good word. In Jeremiah 29.10, it says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and causing you to return to this place. Oh my, how about these words, Jesus saves. Lord, that's some good words. In Romans 10, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus saves. That's some good words. How about this one? Jesus loves you. Oh, Jesus loves you. That's some good words. That makes good words for a good song. Jesus loves me. How about this when Jesus died for you? He rose again and He's seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. Can I just say that's some good words today. How about this when Jesus cares for you? Casting all your care upon Him for He careth for you. Jesus cares for you. That's some good words. How about this when Jesus supplies all my need? Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus will supply all your need. How about this one? Jesus knows your troubles. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Can I just say, Jesus knows your troubles. That's some good words today. How about this one? Jesus is coming again. Boy, that's some good words. That ought to bring hope to the child of God. But here's a good word. Jesus. Jesus. Boy, there's no other name like the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Have you heard a good word lately? Boy, these are some good words. You know, I love coming to church. Why? Because I know I'm going to hear about Jesus every time I come. I'm going to sing about Jesus. I don't come to be seen. I don't come to see who's going to show up or not and I don't think I don't notice who is here or not here. If you're not here, I'm praying for you. I promise you, you're being prayed for. If you're here, you're going to be prayed for if you're not here. I know when you're not here, so does the Lord. 
but I come to church to hear from Jesus. Uh, I, I just want to snuggle up at Jesus' feet and hear His words like we heard about Mary this morning and, and, and talked about Mary and Martha and that, uh, you know, Mary had a, she had a sister called Martha there and, and uh, that was busy, covered about much serving and doing things. And, but, but Mary, she said she sat at Jesus' feet and she heard His word. Jesus told Martha that Mary chose that good part which shall not be taken away from her. We're talking about the Word. The good Word. When you come to church and you hear His Word, you are given something. See, Mary was given something because she sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. She was given something that could not be taken away. But Martha chose the busyness of life over what could be taken away, what could not be taken away from her. You see, how many people choose the responsibilities of life for some temporary satisfaction? We're talking about things that can be taken away from you like this over receiving what cannot be taken away. How many people won't come to church because they got other plans? Something temporary. Something that won't last. But yet they put that before the Lord. They put that before Him. They choose that. Something that can be taken away. Something so temporary over something that cannot be taken away from them. Other good words are mercy. Boy, that's a good word. How about grace and hope and love and long-suffering and forbearance and forgiveness of sin and salvation? How about eternal life, everlasting life? How about the words come up hither? Boy, that's some good words. But for today, I'd like for us to focus and just kind of zone in on one word. And that's that word, Endure. Turn with me to 2 Timothy, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness. As a good soldier of Jesus Christ, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him whom he hath chosen him to be a soldier. Paul's going to go on and list uh, many things that Timothy would have to endure. Why, why is he telling Timothy, you're going to have to endure hardness? Why? Because the Christian life, it's not easy. You war against the flesh, you war against, you war against the world and the devil. And can, can I just say that being a Christian is not a, a walk in the park? <laughs> Jesus said to take up our cross and follow Him. There's nothing easy about carrying a cross. But you see, if you're going to be a good Christian, a good soldier of Jesus Christ, uh, then you're going to have to endure hardness. If you go into the military, the first thing that they do is to get you fit. They call it boot camp. They want you to get fit. Then you know what they're going to do? They're going to deprogram you and teach you to be a soldier. And none of those things are going to be easy. They're going to push people to their limits. Can I just say going to war is not easy? Hey, being a Christian is not easy. Why? Because we're in a warfare. We're in a battle every day. That's why we have to endure hardness. 
We need to be fit. The Christian boot camp never ends. You, know, you go to military boot camp last six months, I don't know, something like that, and then you go more into a specialized area or, 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 or things, or maybe a year. I don't know exactly how long it lasts. But can I just say that the Christian boot camp lasts till we draw our last breath? But how does a Christian get fit? You go to church. You read your Bible. You pray. You witness to others. You give of your time, your talents, and your treasures to the Lord. That's how you get fit. You put God first. You're willing to deny yourself, suffer for Christ, to be pushed to the limits. You allow God to reprogram you into what He wants you to be. And that's where a lot of Christians struggle. In Ephesians 4.23 it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's where a lot of Christians say, Uh-uh. I won't be saved, you know, and I want everything, and I want Jesus to bless me, and I want all these things, but hey, this whole renewing thing, you know, thinking i got to be in church faithfully and all that, you know. You know. Colossians 3.10 says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In Romans 12.2 it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, many Christians will fail at letting God renew their minds and transform them into what He expects them to be. They don't want to endure no hardness. Number two, a good Christian will keep the Lord first. Not letting the affairs of this life distract them from what God has for them and not keep them from not getting that good part. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 4. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, uh, that he may please him who he have chosen to be a soldier. Go back to Mary and Martha. Martha got entangled. She got entangled with the busyness of life, the responsibilities of life. And I, I think she enjoyed uh, being a host. I think she enjoyed uh, cooking. I think she enjoyed doing those things. Uh, and, and I didn't think she, that she begrudged that at all. Uh, but the problem is she got entangled with the responsibilities and the joys of this life. Uh, but the thing is, Mary, her sister, got untangled. <laughs> And she sat at Jesus' feet and she heard His word. And you see, that couldn't be taken away from her. It's a choice we've got to make to endure hardness. Number three, a good Christian will be willing to suffer for the gospel's sake. Look at verse 9. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul was thrown in prison. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was lied about. He was mistreated. He was misrepresented. And all that just for being a Christian. But he endured all that so that he could have the opportunity to tell others about Christ. You see, Paul said you've got to endure some hardness. Don't ever lose sight and focus of why God's called you and God saved you. In 1 Peter 2.19 it says, For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience sake toward God endure grief, uh, suffering wrongfully. 
Everywhere Paul went, he was beaten and, and stoned and whipped and, and misrepresented and mistreated. He endured that. He endured grief, suffering for Christ's sake. Number four, a good Christian will die to self. And boy, that's not easy. Look at verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. You see, dying to self, boy, that's something you're going to have to endure. It ain't easy because every morning that you wake up, your flesh wakes up. In Mark 14, 38, it says, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. We're going to have to endure in watching. There's never a time that we can let our guard down, whether it's in the ministry or whether it's in our families or in our personal lives or if we're just watching out for ourselves. There's never a time that we cannot endure in watching. In Matthew 26, 40, it says, And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Can I just say that in this Laodicean age that we're living in, these, these last days that, man, there's more Christians asleep. They're just seeking after the pleasures. They're, they're just seeking after, they don't want to endure hardness. They just want everything to be easy. And, they, you know, just a red carpet rolled out for them everywhere they go. They're just going about their daily lives, living for this world only. Only think about investing in the here and now. But they're not laying up any treasures in heaven. They're more concerned with their status on social media than they are with what God thinks about them. They don't want to lose anything to their social status. They're so scared that they're going to get a thumbs down. Oh no, wait a minute, I can't have a negative review. You know, I, I got to make sure everybody's giving me a thumbs up. Can I just say, we're going to have to endure hardness. Not everybody's going to appreciate the fact that you're a Christian and that you live for God. But the Bible says a good soldier, he'll endure hardness. He'll watch. But not only that, we're going to have to endure in prayer as well. You know, I've got to set a time aside every day to pray. I start my day with personal prayer. I end my day with personal prayer. But I've got to set time aside to pray for various things, to pray for the church and pray for the ministry and, and, and other things and others. And on Sunday mornings, I, I set aside a time to pray for pastors and missionaries and, and people that are being used of the Lord. And that list is growing. I mean, I've got hundreds on that list already on Sunday mornings that I pray for on top of praying for the services and on top of praying for myself and for those that will be here and for God to speak to hearts and, and, and do these things. And, and, uh, but, but you know, and then on Wednesdays, my prayer list on Wednesdays got well over 300 names on my prayer list for Wednesdays. And I call out families and their children and I, and I pray and I ask God, I, you got to set time for that. We're going to have to endure because that's not easy. Tim Green, evangelist Tim Green, his dad had thousands of names on his prayer list. During one of the meetings that we had Brother Tim Green preaching here, he mentioned that. And God just so convicted me of my need to pray for others. Pray for more people. God says for us to endure hardness. But what else does God want us to endure? Turn to chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 
in verse 3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, uh, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, uh, and shall be turned unto fables. Uh, well, something else that God not only expects us to endure hardness, uh, but God expects us to endure uh, sound doctrine. Uh, we're living in the last days, and there are many who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They don't know anything of the power of God godliness of, uh, of God. Uh, people say they go to church or they say they're a Christian, but they don't act like a Christian. They don't talk like a Christian. They don't even look like a Christian. They surely don't dress like a Christian. They listen to worldly music. They refuse to come out from among them and be ye separate. God expects us to endure sound doctrine because there's a crowd that won't. Which side you going to be on? And remember, those that won't endure sound doctrine, they were hearing sound doctrine and they chose not to endure it. They chose to depart from that. And we're seeing that people departing from sound doctrine every day. He expects us to endure that. Which side do you want to be on when Jesus comes back? The side that God's got his eye on and that he favors or the side that the world favors? Well, I'm going to have to line up with Moses and say, who's on the Lord's side? Come on over here. Look at verse 5. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Hmm. God expects us to endure afflictions. That's not an easy one. But God requires it of us. Life's not easy. But God's work has to go on. We're all going to have setbacks. We're all going to deal with hurts, both personal and in the ministry. There's going to be health needs. There's going to be financial needs. There's going to be family issues by the droves. But Bible says that we're going to have to endure afflictions. Paul carried a load, but you know what he did? He kept on going for the Lord. In James chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Those that endure afflictions and troubles and trials. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of a tender mercy. The Christians that James writing to there, they'd been scattered due to persecution. They'd, they'd had to leave their home, their family, their comfort zone, their jobs. But you know what? God still required them to endure, to count it all joy when they fall into diverse temptations. Let's close with Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. It says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For, when, for whom the Lord... Excuse me, the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Verse 7, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? God expects us to endure chastening. A lot of Christians won't come to church because they know that if they come to church, 
That Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's going to start dissecting and, and cutting in their life. Uh, and they know that God's going to deal with them about the way they're living. And you know what the deal is? They don't want to be reproved. They don't want, no ch- they don't want to endure chastening. You know, that old prodigal son got tired of hearing what the daddy had to tell him. He got tired of living under daddy's rules and, how, and, and, and listen to how he ought to live his life. So you know what he did? He ran off. The Bible says he went to a far country, as far away as he could. He tried to get away. But boy, he soon found out that his daddy was right. And that his daddy was the only one that loved him enough to tell him the truth and expect him to live right. You know, that prodigal son had a brother who he too would not endure chastening. The one came back home, but this one didn't. His daddy pleaded with him, but he refused to listen. Why? Because he was lifted up in pride. Endure. Can I just say that's a good word for today? God is reminding us to endure hardness. Not everybody's going to like the fact that you take a stand for God. Not everybody's going to be in agreement with your stand. But you know what? You'd better stand with God than stand with them. You'd better want God's approval than want the world's approval. We're to endure sound doctrine. We're not to depart from the Bible. We're to endure afflictions. And we're also to endure chastening. We're in the last days. We're living in perilous times. Now is the time to endure. It's not time to slack off. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. Will you be one that is found enduring when Jesus comes?